This is the Data Privacy Detective. We're going to look at the month of November 2023 as the year draws to a close. And with me, uh, as is true every month, are my two good friends in the data privacy and security team at Frost Brown Todd, LLP, a large coast-to-coast law firm, Hugo Nagashima and Brian St. Amor. Hugo, Brian, thanks for joining once again. Great to be here. Happy to be here. Well, let's look at November. Let's start with California. We do so often as things get cold in the Midwest and the North. And we're going to look at California's approach to AI regulation and an industry effort to impose standards on AI use today, separate from the hammer of the law. And we're going to take a look at air travel in the TSA. But first, California. Artificial intelligence, AI, has been the topic of the year, hasn't it? And Hugo, I understand California's done something in November. What is it? That's right, Joe. Just a couple of days ago, November 27th, the California Privacy Protection Agency, the CPPA, the regulatory body, released its proposed rulemaking for automated decision-making technologies. Well, now, what, is it, uh, what does it cover, the proposal? So I want to talk very high level. Uh, there's four things. Uh, one, it establishes a right to opt out of businesses using AI, automated decision-making taking uh, decision -making technology, uh, and it defines what an automated decision-making technology is. It also requires the businesses to have a pre-use notice for, for using AI, and it establishes the consumer's right to access the information where the business is using the automated decision-making technology. Okay, automated decision-making technology. I, I'm afraid there's another acronym, ADT. So tell us about it. What is that? Sure. The rule defines ADT as, first, I'm going to give you the long definition, as any system software process, including one derived from machine learning statistics or other data processing or artificial intelligence that processes inf personal information and uses computation as a whole or part of a system to make or execute a decision facility uh, decision or facilitate decision making. So, in short, uh, what is this? It's it's an AI system that uses personal information to make decisions about an individual. Uh, for well, example, uh, for example, profiling is that ADT? Exactly, uh, profiling is one of them. And as you can imagine, if enough information is collected, and then there, there's an AI system that does analytics on what a, what a person's behavior is or how they operate, and they guess whether they can pass a certain exam or pass you know, pass a certain threshold to work for a company, those items would be considered, you know, whatever the technology that's going in to make that decision would be considered AI uh, or ADT. Very broad. And you mentioned opt-out, that individuals, at least those uh, who have rights under California's law, would have a right to opt out of a business's use of ADT. Well, what is this right? So, as you know, California, with its uh, California Consumer Privacy Act has the right to opt out from having certain information collected. It's it's very similar, but here there's six ca categories of items that an individual, a person in California can opt out, which is the, the decision that produces legal or similarly significant effects concerning a consumer to individual, uh, profiling a consumer who is acting in their capacity as an employee, independent contractor, job applicant, or student, um, opting out from profiling a consumer while they are in a publicly accessible place, for example, using Wi-Fi or Bluetooth tracking. Uh, another opt-out is profiling a consumer for behavioral advertising. 
this is a big topic under the CCPA. Uh, profiling a consumer that the business has actual knowledge is under the age of 16. So this is more of an age uh, age appropriate issue. And finally, processing the personal information with consumer, the train automated decision-making technology. So this is using personal data as part of, uh, as, a, as the training data set, the train uh, on ADT is also considered one of the one of the opt-out opt out right, rights. Well, how would somebody opt out? How's that going to work? So the proposed rules, which is still proposed, uh, says there has to be at least two methods for submitting a request to opt out. And one of them must be offered in a manner in which the business primarily interacts with the consumer. So this can mean if the company is, you know, web-based, it doesn't really have a brick and mortar, then the opt-out is offered online. Uh, if the company is a brick and mortar shop and it interacts with individuals, then the primary in interaction will take place person to person. So it would mostly most likely be done by pen and pencil uh, through the interaction at the store. Of course, the more, more of the details on how it's going to be is still up in the air, but we expect it would be the similar type of opt-out rights as we already see in the CCPA, which is you know a web form, a telephone call, or a mailing directly to the address of the business saying, hey, I want to opt out. That will probably be the methods. Okay, and we'll see how clear that is for people. We'll find out. Yeah, if this gets uh, turned into a complete uh, and adopted rule, it's just proposed now. And you mentioned the business would have to uh, issue a pre-use notice. What's that? So this is a notice that must be given, that must be readily available to the consumers which includes the following information, a plain language explanation of the purpose for why the ADT is being used, a description of the opt-out, right? That you can opt out and how you do it. So again, you know, this is going to be the part where it's, you do it on the web form, you go into store, give a call, a description of the consumer's right to access information about the use, uh, use of ADT with personal information in a simple and easy to use method. This is actually the language from the rule to allow consumers to obtain the basic workings of the ADT and the intended output. Now, this is a little confusing, but what they're, I think what they're trying to say is the AI system needs to be, be transparent to the consumer if it's being used. So there's going to be an explanation, for example, if a chat GPT system is used, the company needs to say it's using some form of chat GPT and what the intended output is. If they're making a profile about a person's, um, I guess, the success rate of being able to work at the certain company, that needs to be dis uh, disclosed as well. And what's the access right that consumers will have if this becomes uh, effective? Well, there's four things that the uh, proposed rule suggests, which is uh, whether the business made an automated decision making with respect to that particular person, uh, the consumer's right to access about the ADT system, which we just described, you know, how, what's the basic workings, what's the intended output, how the consumer can exercise their access right, which is the method in which the consumer can ask, is it email, is it web form. And finally, the consumer can file a complaint with the regulatory agency, CPPA, or the California Attorney General. Those things must be disclosed in the access right. Okay, well, we, we'll see how the final rule uh, come, comes out. But let's say this goes forward. It, interesting, this does not allow an individual to require correction of an algorithm for AI. And other than opting out, does it really give an, a user much uh, power at all? 
Right. So I think you're right that there is no correction, right? Um, it's just the opt out of being subject to this AI decision making process. And of course, if you this determined to opt out. It, remember, this is going to be part of the CCPA rules. So you have to look at the context of the CCPA. The CCPA provides uh, consumers with the right to not be discriminated for opting out of a certain data collection or data processing. So the balance of that is going to be a little bit difficult. But I think for this AI technology, the decision-making uh, ADT in particular, it's going to be that the company or the businesses will have to provide a alternative decision-making or profiling process, which is there needs to be some form of human intervention or the profiling will also require some form of a person reviewing instead of an AI system, artificial intelligence system, just creating a profile. Well, wouldn't it be nice to talk to somebody on the phone now and then? Thank you for this review. But now let's turn to air travel. It's the end of the year holidays approach. There are going to be record levels of people flying. And TSA increasingly is using biometrics to screen passengers. So what danger lurks within the increasing use of biometrics in air travel? Brian, what's the news from November? Well, interestingly, you know, and what seems rarer and rarer these days is there's a bipartisan support in Congress from a number of senators across both the Democrats, Republicans, and even independent Senator um, Bernie Sanders in joining to introduce the bipartisan traveler privacy protection act and so this legislation would empower travelers within the united states with the control over their privacy um, really by banning the use of facial recognition technology and the collection of facial biometrics data by the transportation security administration or the tsa within u.s airports right i didn't realize tsa was using biometrics how is the TSA using this? And for how long has, has the TSA used this? Yeah, so the TSA began testing the use of biometrics at Los Angeles International Airport or LAX shortly after the, the TSA released its kind of 2018 biometrics roadmap, which really their goal and what they were advocating for is to have a biometrically enabled curb to gate passenger experience, which means they want to track facial recognition from the time you arrive at the airport to the time you take off in your plane. And what really kind of spurred this new legislation is this past summer, the TSA announced it's planning to expand this test at LAX to really implement facial recognition scans at, at over 430 U.S. airports. Uh, while it'll take them a couple years to implement, this is a pretty significant increase in the amount of biometrics utilized from a facial recognition perspective. So I know some people already use clear as they walk into the airport. So what is this primary concern with the senators introducing this bill? Yeah, so one of the biggest issues is really that the passengers don't have control of their own right. And so they don't necessarily know that they have the right to opt out of this information which is a little different than clear where you're choosing to opt into the environment in order to gain some special privileges. So what Senator Markey was saying is he really doesn't think passengers should have to choose between safety and privacy when they travel. And so they've been calling on the TSA to halt this use of facial recognition until the agency has a better, you know, options for the passengers to be able to opt out. Their, their concern is really that this would be the precursor to a national surveillance state. And uh, kind of to quote um, Senator Merkley, it's nothing could be more damaging to our national values of privacy and freedom 
no government should be trusted with this power. And it's really this power of utilizing biometrics without allowing customers to, to opt out or consumers, in this case, the consumers being the public. And so the other concern that's kind of overarching within this bill is where is this data going? How secure is it? And what else are they using it for besides just looking at safety and security within the airport? I see. So is there, so what is the legislation trying to limit with TSA's use of the biometrics? Yeah, so the, the legislation is actually fairly short, um, less than a couple pages. The goal really is about restricting the TSA. And so what it would do is it would prevent the TSA from using airports as a site to collect Americans' sensitive facial biometric data. And so it would do that in kind of three main ways. The first, it would repeal the existing authorizations that TSA has to explore facial recognition technology, and it would require explicit congressional authorization for TSA to utilize facial recognition in a future use. It would immediately ban the TSA from expanding the use of its facial recognition program beyond LAX, and then it would require the TSA to end its facial recognition program at LAX and then dispose of all the facial biometrics within three months. So pretty significant halt in the use of biometrics for as a security option within the transportation world. Fascinating. As somebody who's traveled globally, you, you see it in force in some countries and you do feel surveyed upon. We'll see what happens to the United States. Thank you very much, Brian. Well, last, let, let me turn to a major announcement by the Data and Trust Alliance, or the D&TA. Never heard of it? Well, it's a business consortium of 25 large companies like American Express, Humana, Walmart, IBM. And uh, the D&TA announced on November 30, proposed data provenance standards. Well, data provenance. Think about that for artworks, uh, whether something was really painted by a painter. Uh, and then who owned it over the years and who has the right to sell it today? We take that for granted or think food. When you buy a food or a beverage at the store, the container's marked with uh, things you may not really look at much, but it, it says where it came from, who produced it, who handled it on the way to the shelf, and, and then it has a, a buy expiration date. But data has no such system, at least not yet. So for companies developing or using AI, this poses major problems. Because after all, AI depends on the underlying data that feeds its algorithms. If data sets aren't accurate or worse are poisoned, AI can produce poor or even dangerous results. A survey of data scientists show that they spend 40% of their time on data preparation to make sure it's accurate. That's a lot of time spent. Most CEOs cite data lineage or provenance as the top reason for their reluctance to adopt AI in the first place. Well, uh, A and D, uh, the Data and Trust Alliance, D and TA, plans to change that by proposing eight standards that businesses should adopt across borders. And here's a quick review of what they are. The lineage identifiers. Now that represents the data, the lineage of it that comprise the data set. The source. Obviously, identifying the origin of the data set and what's in it. Legal rights, 
Well, that, that's a list of the legal framework or frameworks that apply to the data set. Privacy and protection. Well, under this one, it's a question of identifying sensitive data associated with the data set and any privacy enhancing techniques that should be applied before used. Generation date, kind of time stamp for when data was created, when the data set was created. The data type. Uh, This is to identify what's in the current data set, provides insight into how the data is organized and what it's used for and the challenges associated with handling and using it. The generation method. This would identify how the data was produced. Was it through data mining or machine generated? Did it use IoT sensors and so on? And number eight, intended use and restrictions which would identify how the data will be used and what downstream audiences won't or shouldn't have access to it. Well, let's focus on the privacy and protection part of these eight standards. From a personal privacy perspective, the type of PI, personal information, becomes critical because less sensitive information, you know, let's say less sensitive than healthcare or financial data, will receive less attention about how it's marked and used. Now, the idea of marking each data piece would apply in theory to every piece of digital data, allowing someone to trace back to its source where any piece of data came from. But the standards are focused on data sets rather than initial data creation. And yet, it's a glimpse into a world where each original piece of data could be marked technologically, similar to how food is handled today. Well, will the proposed uh, provenance standards increase personal privacy in practice? That's unclear. They should help, but uh, there's no guarantee, uh, is at least this detective's view of what will happen in practice. Personal privacy will continue to depend on regulation that creates enforceable rights and whether our individual rights are easy to understand and can easily be exercised. Standards should allow each of us to decide what we wish to share about ourselves and under what restrictions, and then be clear to businesses using data. Now, these standards are not coming from politicians. They're coming from businesses. And these businesses will decide the future of AI. The final standards will become common for AI data sets without government decisions. Alliance member companies do business in more than 175 countries. Well, this set of proposed standards just out is the first effort I know of to propose cross-border standards for data provenance. These standards are going to have power in North America and Europe, and they're going to influence what happens in the rest of the world. Now, a lot of personal information about us is already held by companies and persons we've never heard of and for whom we've never expressly said that we allow them to use our personal data or trust them with it. They're third parties that obtained our data one way or another. So if decent business standards arise in practice, and these are teamed with privacy-respecting regulations, there is reason to hope that AI will not become a combatant of personal privacy, but can be supportive of it. DNTA encourages responses to its proposed standards 
and the Alliance proposes to announce version one in the third quarter of 2024. It encourages comments on only six of the standards. That's because lineage and generation date standards are already set. This is beginning to happen. So go to DNTA's website, participate in a survey, offer your views. Let's see how our personal privacy can thrive in a world increasingly dominated and served by artificial intelligence. Hugo, you had a question. Yes, I did. Thank you, Joe. So we are seeing first in the United States, uh, we're seeing executive order that seems to begin regulating AI and in the future, we might have legislation. Do you think the business standards as we see the Providence standard will drive the regulations to follow that business standard? Or do you think the government in the future will emphasize more privacy and it will deviate from the Providence standards? Well, that'll be up to legislators in every state and country. In the EU, we know that the AI standards that are very much uh, already ahead of uh, anything you've seen in, in the U.S. Congress are privacy-centric. But let's face it, a business is there to offer goods and services and to make money. And the influence of business is significant in any non-socialist country. So the two have to go together. I see these standards as, in a way, bridging what could be a left-right gap in privacy. And as we discussed earlier, there really shouldn't be one. I think we're all interested in privacy, and we're all interested in business and the economy uh, thriving. And how they mesh together is really going to be the question. So I think the standards can lay a groundwork for what the politicians can then balance in the never-ending balancing of personal privacy and order in society. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us. That was November, and we'll see what happens in December. In closing, first, thanks to Hugo and to, you, and to Brian for joining us today in a very interesting discussion of how quickly this is all expanding and evolving. And as always, I'll close by reminding us all, protecting your personal privacy begins with you.